0: You want to see a victory? Uh, many of us here, we, we've seen a victory, uh, but we need to see another victory, and another victory, and another victory. Uh, we need victory, and I, I know uh, those of us gathered here uh, in this worship service, those gathered online, uh, we need to see that victory. Our nation needs to see a victory, and uh, that victory doesn't come through uh, political measures. It doesn't come through human ingenuity or human uh, action. It comes from the Lord. Uh, he is the one that brings us, and that 's the passage we 're looking at in Mark chapter three this morning deals with where victory really comes from. real victory comes from one source, and uh, that is what Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter three, as we get back into this the the life and the uh, and what it means to be impacted Jesus by jesus mark chapter three uh, we 're going to begin in verse twenty. Uh, this morning as we look at uh, these verses, Mark chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 20. And I go ahead and, and tell you, uh, those of you watching online may not see it on the screen here in just a moment. Uh, but the title of this message is The Absolutely Essential Holy Spirit. That is where victory comes from. That is who gives the victory. Uh, the Absolutely Essential Holy Spirit of God. Here in Mark chapter 3 and verse 20, uh, it begins here, and this is, of course, Jesus is doing ministry. Uh, He's there in Galilee. He's been dealing with criticism, if you remember that, Uh, but the criticism has not kept him from impacting people. Matter of fact, he doesn't mention it here in Mark because Mark's moving rather quickly uh, through the life and ministry of Jesus. But in in Matthew, uh, when this encounter happens, we read in Matthew that Jesus uh, heals or he casts uh, the... uh, the, a demon out of a man, a deaf and a, noah blind and mute spirit that this man has, uh, he cast that out. And this is the response uh, there in Galilee to this. It says uh, the multitude came together so that they could not so much uh, as eat bread. Jesus and his disciples there. And then he says, but when his own people, this is when it says his own people, these are probably as a reference to his relatives. This is where Jesus was raised there. When they heard about this. They went out to lay hold of him, to lay hold of Jesus, for they said, he is out of his mind. Now, you wouldn't want somebody saying that about you, uh, but in reality, this is true of Jesus. Uh, He's not working out of the mind. He's working in a different realm. He is working out of, uh, besides his mind. He's not working in that way. And so and this is what the scribes say. Verse 22, it says, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub. And uh, Beelzebub in in, in that time was what they referred to as the prince of the demons. Sometimes it was used of Satan himself. He says, And by the ruler of the demons he cast out demons. And so he, Jesus, called them to himself. And said to them in parables, he said, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. In other words, he's saying, you're, you're saying I'm not making sense. What you're saying is not making sense. Why would Satan cast out Satan? That just doesn't make any sense at all. And so he says there in verse 26, he says, And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he has an end. He's he's putting an end to himself. Verse 27, he says, "No, No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. And then he will plunder his house. Now understand what he's saying here. He's not talking about Satan coming in and plundering somebody's house. He's talking about the, the, the work of God coming in and plundering Satan's house. And that's what he's saying. He says, it's, in order for Satan to be defeated, in order for Satan to be cast out, someone stronger than Satan has to come in and cast them out. But then notice what he says in verse 28. And this is the, where we see the, the emphasis of his teaching. As he says, assuredly I say to you, All sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Verse 30 clarifies all this. It says, Because he said this, because they said he, Jesus, has an unclean spirit. An unclean spirit. Now, There are a lot of things that we could talk about in this passage of Scripture. There are a lot of of sub-themes within here as he talks about dealing with criticism, as he talks about demon possession, even as he talks about in verse 29 about this unpardonable or unforgivable sin there. And there is teaching concerning that. But if we begin to focus on these sub-themes, we, we may lose sight of the major theme of what Jesus is really teaching about here and what he's trying to get across to the people there. And that is, he is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We're talking about being impacted by Jesus. You cannot be impacted by Jesus without being impacted by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and he, Jesus is, throughout his ministry here, and Mark keeps hitting on this. Matter of fact, when Jesus began his ministry back in chapter 1, verse 8, he talks about uh, John the Baptist there. And John said about Jesus, he said, I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with what? With the Holy Spirit. The one that is coming, the Messiah that is coming, this Jesus. And then he says in, in chapter 1, verse 10, it says, When Jesus was baptized, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. And then he goes from that uh, to the wilderness uh, in verse 12, but it says it was the Spirit that drove him into the wilderness. And matter of fact, in the book of Luke, it says he came out of the wilderness filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, that he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Even Jesus later on uh, in chapter 2, we talked about the, the new wine in the old wineskins. That new wine is a reference to the Holy Spirit of God and his work in our lives. If we're impacted by Jesus, we must be impacted by the Holy Spirit of God. And Something has happened in the church today. And I'm not talking in a positive way. We have either lost or reinterpreted or this, 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 Central theme of the book of the Bible concerning the work of the Holy Spirit of God. It is it is far into many of us. Even as I'm talking about it right now, some of you are wondering. I wonder what direction He's going with this. I wonder because we have, we hear so little teaching about the Holy Spirit, and the teaching that we do here is so far into the Bible. We we've lost sight of of the absolutely essential Holy Spirit of God. We've lost that. It's become unknown to us. And and we've adapted to that, and that we look at our churches today. And I, I tell you, in light of what's going on around us, it's even highlighted even more. I think God is God's not causing what's going on in the world around us concerning the coronavirus, concerning all the other things that are uh, the the riots and, the, and and the things that are going on out there. He is he's not uh, causing those things to happen, but he's highlighting the inadequacy of Christianity today. Because we, have, we call our, our powerless, victoryless, loveless, holinessless religion, and we say that that's the Holy Spirit moving. And the Holy Spirit says, Don't blame me. <laughs> Don't blame me. We need a return to the biblical emphasis, the biblical teaching, the biblical priority of the work of the Holy Spirit. Then we will see the victory. Then we will see an impact in our lives that impacts the world around us. So let's look at some of these lessons on the Holy Spirit First thing I I want us to see this morning from this passage of Scripture is is what we're talking about, uh, what we've already been talking about, and that is this, that the Holy Spirit is necessary. It's not just important. It's not just a priority. The Holy Spirit is necessary. He says there... in chapter 3 and, and, and verse 29, he says, But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. So he here he reveals what he's what has been going on and what he's been talking about here in this passage before. He's been referring to the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of God that has been doing this. He says, He who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. And then he says there in verse 30, he said, he says this. He 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 mentions this to them. Why? Because they said he had as an unclean spirit. And what they were not realizing, what they were not seeing, is that everything Jesus did, Jesus lived by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's how he lived. He didn't live in, in earthly flesh. He lived by the power of the Spirit Of the Spirit of God. He preached by the power of the Spirit. He healed by the power of the Spirit. He lived a holy life by the power of the Spirit. He obeyed God by the power of the Spirit. He cast out demons by the power of the Spirit of God. So when they were calling His Spirit an unclean spirit, they weren't talking about Jesus. They were talking about the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit... Is necessary. If it was necessary for Jesus, it is necessary for us. You see, when he talks about this blaspheming of the Spirit, that just simply means to speak evil of the Spirit, to reject the Spirit, to To call the spirit the devil. And any time we move away from the spirit of God, that is dangerous. And any time we neglect the spirit of God, it is dangerous. But if we are to completely reject the spirit of God, it is eternally dangerous. Eternally dangerous. That's what he's talking about here. But what is it that they were blaspheming? Notice what he says here. They're blaspheming, not the Father, not Jesus, But the Holy Spirit, matter of fact, in Matthew, Jesus even said that if they speak against the Son of Man, it can be forgiven. But if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven. Why? Because forgiveness and salvation and the, uh, the new birth comes through the power of the Spirit. Now, if you receive the Spirit, you're receiving Jesus. If you receive Jesus, you're receiving the Spirit. You can't separate them. They are one God. Three persons, one God, but you can't separate them. But you see, what Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit is is necessary. Everything that Jesus did was the power by the power of the Spirit. Jesus, the Son of God, uh, incarnate, took on human flesh. He was fully God and he was fully man and yet his ministry and his healing and everything that he did, the miracles he performed, even the obedient life that he did, that He lived there, it was not done through the power of his flesh. He did not have sinful flesh but he still did not operate in the power of physical flesh. He depended on the Spirit of God. He listened to the Spirit of God and that's what he's saying here. He's saying when I cast out demons it was by the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit everything Jesus did was through the power of the Holy Spirit how much more should it be with us Jesus is setting an example before us And matter of fact he teaches us later on uh, as he talks to the, the disciples there and says the helper is coming to you see the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father he's not just a gift from the Father joy and peace and all those things are gifts from the Father. He is the gift of the Father. He is the Spirit of the Father within us. You see, you, you can't separate, you can, there are three persons, but you can't separate them because that's why we, we get confused. Well, is the Jesus living in me or is the Holy Spirit living in me? Yes. If the Holy Spirit's living in you, then Jesus is living in you. And if Jesus is living in you, then the Holy Spirit is living in you. The Holy Spirit is the the gift of the Father to dwell within us, God's presence within us, to lead us, to empower us. And you say, well, why do we say Jesus all the time instead of the Holy Spirit? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is not about him. It's about the Son, and he glorifies the Son. And the Son glorifies the Father, and everything that that is done is to glorify God. The Holy Spirit is necessary. I could go on and on there, but we need to move on. Not only that, but listen, the Holy Spirit is stronger. The Holy Spirit is stronger. Stronger than what? Stronger than anything and everything. That's what he's teaching here in this passage about the strong man. As he says in verse 23, he says, he calls them to himself and he teaches them. He says, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And listen, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but listen, and in, in what is going on in our country today, this is not a time for the church to divide. This is a time for the church to unite around the gospel of Jesus Christ and around the one who loved the whole world that he gave his son to die for them. A kingdom divided can't stand. But what is he talking about here? He says, if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house, here it is, and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Somebody's got to be stronger than the strong man. By the way, the devil is a strong man. He is stronger than you. But praise God, the Holy Spirit of God is stronger than him. He is stronger. Than anything and everything. He the Holy Spirit is the stronger one. That's who he is. The stronger one is not me, the stronger one's not you, it's not us. It is him. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Freedom and victory will only come into our lives through the Holy Spirit of God. He talks about, they, they, in verse 22, what did they say? They said, Jesus, he is, has Beelzebub, and it's by the ruler of the demons he cast out demons. They spoke a truth there. It was by the ruler of demons that Jesus cast out demons, but the ruler of demons is not Beelzebub. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And whatever Satan has brought into your life, listen to me. Those of you online, listen. Whatever Satan has brought into your life, whatever area of weakness it is that he's attacking in your life, there is one, only one who is stronger than him. And we need to bow the knee to him and let him fill our lives. Let him empower us. He is the only one that can overcome the strong man because he is stronger. He is stronger. We have so much today. So much writing, way too much on social media. People just need to quit. (laughs) All this back and forth about different things, come on. We have so much, we have so much preaching out there. We got bad preaching, but we got a lot of good preaching out there as well. We have so many conferences that you can go to, good ones and bad ones that are out there. We have so many programs. We've got technology, and there's so many things that that we can do, but yet they're still in the church today. There is something major lacking, and that is the presence and the power and the overcoming victory that is only found in the Holy Spirit of God. And as long as we neglect Him, and as long as we move away from Him, we will never be the church God created us to be. We are to be the temple filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That is who we are to be. There's only one thing or one person that brings eternal fruit, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit is stronger. The Holy Spirit is necessary. The Holy Spirit is right. Is right. Right about what? Right about everything. It is right to seek the Holy Spirit. It is right to depend upon the Holy Spirit. It is right. We must not reject the Holy Spirit in His work. Verse 28, He says, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. What is he saying? He, he's saying that everything the Holy Spirit does is right. We shouldn't argue with the Holy Spirit. We should certainly not resist or reject the Holy Spirit. We should not ignore the Holy Spirit. We should surrender to the Holy Spirit. You know, he, he does talk about this unforgivable sin here. And I know that that's some of you, that's, that's the question that's plaguing you. But really the question here is not what is the unforgivable sin? The question is, why am I not depending upon the Holy Spirit of God? Why am I not surrendered and filled with the Holy Spirit of God? That's the the real question that we should be asking here. But this unforgivable sin is is a question that comes up. And and basically, the the unforgivable sin, what he is obviously talking about here is, is rejecting the enlightening, drawing, convicting, saving work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit of God. You do not have to pray a prayer to the Holy Spirit of God. You pray to Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit of God that convicts you and shows you the need of repentance. And it's the Holy Spirit of God that that removes the blinders and puts its eyes upon Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit of God does all these things to reject that convicting, drawing, life-changing work of the Holy Spirit, you cannot be saved if you reject that. He's the one that lets us know as as. Unbelievable as it may be, he is the one that lets us know that the death of the God-man 2,000 years ago will save us today. He alone does that. And so we need the Holy Spirit of God and everything the Holy Spirit of God in the Word of God, everything the Holy Spirit of God does is right. He is right in everything. So as I'm saying this, We cannot be right if we're not surrendering and listening and following the Holy Spirit of God. If the Holy Spirit of God is always right, if the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity which the Bible teaches that he is, then why do we not study? Why do we not listen to him? Why do we not seek to find his will? Why are we not willing to learn of him? Why do we not depend upon him? Why are we so afraid to be filled by him and be controlled by him and be empowered by him? This is God's plan. We're not called to follow our plan. We're called to follow God's plan. It was God's plan that Jesus would come and die on the cross, and he would die on the cross to remove the sin barrier between us. Why? So that we could have a fellowship with God, we could have a relationship with God, and we could live every moment of every day with God living within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's God's plan. There is no plan B. Southern Baptist churches today, for the most part, are are known to be orthodox. We're known to be biblical. But where is the power? It's where it's always been. It is not in us, in our programs, in our planning, in our personalities, in our numbers. It is only found in the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is right. Pursuing Him, leaning upon Him, being filled by Him is right. Right. And then finally, this is not the final teaching of the Holy Spirit. It's just the final point that I've got this morning. Because this book is full of it. Old Testament and New Testament. It's full of teaching on the Holy Spirit. But we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is effective. And by effective, I'm talking about very personal, that He impacts us. He works. The Holy Spirit works. Works at what? Works at everything. Everything in our life. The Holy Spirit does that. Well, I'm struggling. I can't find peace. Let me tell you. The Holy Spirit's effective. He'll bring peace. I can't find the victory. The Holy Spirit will bring victory. I can't find joy. The Holy Spirit will bring joy. I don't know if I can make it through this trial of my life. The Holy Spirit will carry you through. The Holy Spirit's effective. He works. And everything. That's in, in verse 22 here, he talks about that. And they, they say that uh, the scribes and Pharisees, they say that he is Beelzebub. By the ruler of demons, he cast out demons. It's not by Beelzebub. It is by the ruler of demons, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has the power to cast out demons. There is nothing Satan can do that the Holy Spirit can't undo and overcome. He's effective. He's effective. In verse 28, he talks about, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. I mean, there are terrible things that people have done, terrible things that we have done against God, but we can find forgiveness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit works. He's effective. The Holy Spirit is our helper he helps us to overcome what the enemy's doing in our lives. He helps us to overcome the mistakes, the, the sins, the, the error, the rebellion that we have in our own heart. It is only the Holy Spirit who can help us. And in John chapter 14, that's what he's telling the disciples in case they're not catching what he's saying here. At the end, right before he goes across, he said, I've got to make sure you understand this before I leave you. The helper is coming. You can't do this in your own power. You must abide in me, and by abiding in me, I mean that I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be with you in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit will be with you, and he will be in you. He tells them this is coming. Victory is found in the Holy Spirit alone. I love in verse 27 where he says, No man can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. He not only overcomes the strong man, but he plunders all of his work. He thoroughly ransacks it. He destroys it. He is the one that can, can blow the enemy out of your life. Victory is in the Holy Spirit alone. Forgiveness is found in the work of the Holy Spirit alone. Jesus died on the cross, but it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to see that that applies to us. It's the Holy Spirit that brings that into our life. It's the Holy Spirit says, look to the cross, look to the cross, look to the cross. That's the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Everything He does glorifies the Son and His work for us on Calvary and His worked through the resurrection of God. I love that it says here, it says, All sins will be forgiven, the sons of men. I love that word all. The only thing that can't be forgiven is the rejection of the forgiveness. When we direct the Holy Spirit, that's what we're rejecting. The Holy Spirit has the power to change the heart that has been touched by all sin. All sin. That gives me hope. Gives me hope. We need to make our hearts a habitation, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. of. That's what the removal of sin is all about. You see, before the the, the glory filled the temple in the Old Testament there was a cleansing that was done there was prayers that were offered there were sacrifices that were made I'm so thankful that we don't have to offer thousands and thousands of sacrifice one did it once and for all the sacrifice has been made now we must receive it and we must apply and we must receive it into our life and allow this to believe and put our faith in this work of Jesus to cleanse us and it is cleansed and it is cleansed for what purpose just to make us feel better just to get us into heaven no it is clean to make an appropriate dwelling place for the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit comes into this holy place that has been made holy by the holy blood of Jesus. And He lives within us. It is the Holy Spirit that leads me, that helps me, that empowers me to die to myself. And let Christ live through me. The Holy Spirit alone does that. Do not resist. Do not reject. Do not repel. Do not ignore. Do not minimize the Holy Spirit of God. Don't do that. What do we need to do? We need to yield to him. We need to pursue him. We need to seek him. We need to grow in our understanding and dependence upon him. We need to follow him. We need to rely upon him. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's the life that Jesus lived. And that's the life that Jesus' followers are called to live. We can come out of this when everything is said and done, whenever that may be, and be a church that is ready to make an impact upon this world or a church that is already making an impact upon this world. But it'll never happen without the Holy Spirit of God. Never. Never. Are you ready? Are you ready to yield to Him? Are you ready to follow Him? This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that He will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.